This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Welcome to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kevin Snow, and we're going to talk a little bit about how he is a chief sales strategist and founder of Time on Target, and dive a little bit into his journey and how he helps entrepreneurs build their sales and consulting with sales processes. Before we begin, our money, this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a podcaster, YouTuber, content creator, but you really haven't found your voice, head over to nightly.productions to find out how we can help you discover, embrace, and share your voice in a tactical manner and help you create the tactical content that delivers. Again, that's nightly.productions. Kevin, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on today. And I'm super excited because I know we have a, a good rapport going back and forth where unlike a mutual friend of ours, you are a tried and true army guy. So <laughs> right off the rip, we're going to get along really well. And I want to give the audience an opportunity to know a little bit more about you where overall, I mentioned you were the chief sales strategist with Time on Target. You've been doing that for quite a while, really focusing on different strategies, business sales, consultative sales, sales processes. You're also the founder and chief operations officer of Tashu Success Champion Networking, which is a, a very large networking company that is growing and building throughout the United States. But your big passion is working with veteran business owners, entrepreneurs to help them develop effective sales, marketing strategies and building processes that help them execute those strategies. Over the last 12 years, you've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and sales organizations through consulting and training to help them close over 150 mil in new business. So definitely have some amazing experience. You're also currently in the U.S. Army National Guard up in the Canadian District of Minnesota. <laughs> and still serve in that capacity. So obviously, thank you for your service attached to that. And before we dive into what got you to where you are today, what's a fun fact that we might not know about you from that bio? So fun family fact, one of my grandpa Snow's sisters went back and did the whole genealogy thing. And this was back before the DNA testing and all that type of stuff. So she literally had to go around, travel around the country and look at birth records and death records and cemetery records and figure out where everyone was, and where they died. And so she built out this whole family tree and she got us all the way back to the point where we discovered that one of our ancestors came over on the Mayflower. And then our name came over on one of the next ships, and then he married the person that was on the Mayflower. So it's kind of cool. I, it's funny when now when I go places and there's other snows there, they're like, "Oh, are you you're related to so and so?" I'm like, "Yep, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're all related." So the other and, people have have done that research too, evidently. So, and that is much more fascinating. I was going to say the origin story was that you're probably a bastard from the north. <laughs> and more of a Game of Thrones aspect. You're in the North and you probably don't know your parents, right? I was thinking more Jon Snow relation. You have the sword in the background for those yep. listening. You get a sword in the background. So I figured you'd be more of the Game of Thrones, but Mayflower is cool too, I guess. Yeah, it's something different. And it's because I get this question asked me pretty often. I'm like, oh, I get to tell the Mayflower story. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, really? That's cool. Because who knows who know who else knows someone that was descended from the Mayflower yeah. from the pilgrims? So 
Nice. I love that. And and it kind of feeds over into a lot of what you've done in your life and in looking at your experience you have, looking at everything from networking to service and me knowing you, you you really have that servant mentality, wanting to serve and give forward. A big piece of that is obviously with the military. You joined that in 2006. While you might not be infantry per se, you're at least a part to a part of the army, so we can't poke <laughs> too much fun. Uh, what drove you to join the military? What drove you to jump into that world? So it's funny because when I joined the military, I was 34. So which is I a was, mutual. I was 28. Like we're the old dogs in basic training, right? It's like that's what everyone says. Oh, you must have been the oldest person in basic training. I'm like, yet yeah, no, I was in the middle. <laughs> it was middle aged because when I joined, it was during the surge. So. They were, everyone was needing to join. And so I had two guys in my basic training in my platoon that were 41. So, and the cutoff at that point was 42. So, you know, I was middle, I was middle-aged. It was funny, the us who had developed the adult abilities outnumbered the 17 and 18 year olds. And, but it was still those few 17, 18 year old kids that got us into trouble. (laughs) We're like- Every time. I'm like, and we would literally, all of us old guys would literally look at each other like, how hard is it to just to stand still? Or <laughs> not take Skittles into the barracks. I can't tell you or, how many times I got smoked for that. Yeah. Or not talk. Just stand still, <laughs> quiet, and not move. I'm like, this is really simple constructions they're giving us. We can't comprehend how you can't, you can't do this. But I had actually looked at joining the military back when I was a senior in high school and doing the traditional thing. But they wouldn't give me the job I wanted, or at least not promise me the job I wanted. So I was like, yeah, F off. I'm going to go to college then and wrestle. So I did. And mostly they wouldn't give me the job I wanted because I wasn't a real good student Hmm. in high school. I did not. I had a lot of aptitude. I did not apply myself as well as I should have. So (laughs) my grades were good, but not really as good as they could have been. They wouldn't let me do what I wanted to. So I'm like, all right, fine. So I went off to college and did that. But then, you know, every few years I'd be like, oh, I'd look at enlisting and options and stuff. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. And you do it. And then I'd be like, no, and just go on with my life. And then finally, when I was 34, it was kind of at the point, it's like, I either need to do this or I need to be okay with continually looking back and knowing that I didn't do it. Hmm. And I had to be okay with living with that. And I'm like, I'm not okay with living with that. So it was actually me and my best friend at the time, we both enlisted together. And we first looked at the Air Force because I knew I was a 34-year-old and I was not in the same physical condition as I was in college and high school. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, let's do Air Force. That'll be way easier. But the only officer slot I could get was in like Connecticut. And they didn't tell me that they would actually pay for me to fly to Air Force Reserves for drills. I'm like, screw that. I know what a lieutenant pays. I'm not using that for an airplane ticket every month. Yeah, the miles would be nice, but that's dumb. I'll lose money on this deal. So we joined the National Guard in uh, Minnesota and got commissioned, uh, went through basic training as a 03 is, you know, the everyone, them all calling you sir because they know you, you're about to be one. So, and then I came back and did the, you know, the traditional National Guard training. So, over 18 months of officer candidate school and getting my bar and then going doing all that stuff in school and, and, and just moving up and doing all the, that fun stuff. So, 
you say fun stuff. I'm going to put quotations around that piece of it because that is similar for me joining late and I went through OCS. I did the federal side. So I was on Fort Benning on the infantry world and did the OCS world. And a big piece that they drive into you is you join this. And with us starting later at life, our values, our virtues, a lot of what who we are as a person is already formed, right? And an interesting piece is as you look at time on target, there's a military reference attached to it. There are different things that obviously play in it from my brand, your brand, there, that military piece follows forward. One thing that I love about what you do as a whole in your marketing is you're very organically you. One of your values is like no dicks allowed, right? Yep. Can you talk to me a little bit about how your values were formed? Did the military shift those at all? And how have you brought that forward into your business? So I think my values have been pretty consistent with um, over over time. I've taken like strength finder and different assessments and those personality traits, those have changed dra- dramatically. So I did like strength finder with an organization pre-enlistment and then I went through basic training, officer candidate school, all my officer courses. And then I did it again. And the consultant was looking at it. She's like, normally people like have one fall off, have a new one come on and then things will rearrange. You have three brand new ones. Did some, has something significant happened in your life since you did this the last time? I'm like, well, I joined the army and went through leadership school. So they're like, oh, that would probably do it because I had gotten much more strategic and, you know, a lot of the planning detail oriented stuff came much more to the forefront for me. So, but I think the values that I had have always been in place. And, you know, they're ones that were put in place with from my parents and growing up on a farm in a rural area where you had to, you know, you couldn't be a dick, you know, you couldn't be the asshole in the community because everyone would know you're the asshole and no one would want to work with you and help you and do stuff. And, you know, and I was just talking about this with Pablo on a a podcast recording we did earlier, you know, when my grandpa died, there were probably 12, 1500 people that showed up at the funeral. The church was full. The basement was full. There were people standing outside wanting to, you know, couldn't get in, but they wanted to be there. And it was because he wasn't a dick. He literally was a person. If someone needed help, he would go help them. And he, you know, he drew people into the community. So I grew up around values like that. And my dad was, is very much the same way. I don't want to say was, cause he's not, he's still here. Let's not kill him off early, but he's that same way. He is very much someone needs help. He's going to go out of his way to help them and want them to be successful and not have to suffer and go through stuff. And, you know, in return people, you know, if he's gone, they always, people are like, Oh, totally. I can come do the chores for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll feed the cattle. No problem. Let me know when you're going to be back, all that stuff. And everyone was happy to do it. And I think that's really a cool value to have in business because it's going to set you up to be that person that people want to come and ask things of and say, Hey, I need help doing this. Who do you know? Or can you help me with this and be able, they're going to feel comfortable talking to you and letting you into their world. You know, if you're the dick, they're not, you're not going to be a person they reach out to and say, Hey, I, I need help with this. Who do you know? They're going to want to stay away and they're not going to get you in their world. So it was really important for me as I was forming all my values and making my immutable laws for time on target. And as we were working on the ones for SCN that, you know, it had to have that same feel. It had to be a community where people wanted to help each other and that the right people were coming in and that we had permission to tell the wrong people. No. And that was really why I put the, you know, no dicks allowed in mind is because that gave me the permission to tell clients. Yeah. You're not a good fit. 
you are not who we want to be doing business with, and that's okay. Let me get you to some other people who'll be happy to help you, and that are going to be a better fit. As you've grown and scaled, and obviously SCN, you have several hundred members now attached to the networking side with Success Champions, helping build the brains behind the operation there, but time on target as well. You're growing and scaling that. You have a great team around you there. As you've scaled, how have you been able to maintain that? Because a lot of times we start seeing shiny object syndrome or entrepreneurs, like sometimes you got to do what you got to do to make that dollar to pay the bills or whatever it is. Yep. Have you seen that as you've scaled and grown? Have you stayed true to that as best as you can? Or is there any tips to staying true to that that you've learned? So at the beginning of Time on Target, I literally did whatever jobs would come my way. So I learned how to do websites. I can write and read some HTML. I can do WordPress. You know, I, I'm versatile and all that type of stuff because they were paying me. I'm like, sweet. Yes. $2,500 coming in. Perfect. That pays my house and pays my car. And I have money to spend until my next check from a client comes in. So, you know, you have to do what you have to do at the beginning to make it work. But as you start performing and doing stuff and really niching in and building your client base, then you have to be able to look at it and say, all right, I don't need that work anymore. I don't have to say yes to everything. I can focus on the stuff that I know I'm going to rock and I'm going to have huge success for my clients in and bring in more of those and really focus on those things that I can excel at. But it's got to be a mental, it's got to be a conscious realization. You have to be able to tell yourself, all right, I'm at that point. I don't need to do these things I don't like. And a lot of people never make the conscious switch until someone points it out to them. They're like, I can say no. Yes, you can totally say no. You don't have to do business with everyone. I don't care what anyone tells you. You don't have to take on any client that you don't want. So, you know, it took, I had to learn it. And part of me learning it was getting overwhelmed and having too much stuff going on and not being able to keep up. It's like, all right, I got to get rid of all this stuff that I don't like doing, focus on these things. And now I can make processes that are going to be standard across all my clients that I can now bring someone in to start doing things so I can spend more time working on with the client, being actually helping them design strategy and finding more clients as opposed to having my head buried in a screen, creating automations, and which is fun. I still like doing it. It's a good way to me to get away and kind of, you know, let my brain recharge after a day of meetings is, all right, I'm going to build stuff. <laughs> you know, some people do Legos. I do automations. So, but, you know, it's a learned thing. And a lot of times it takes getting beat up to realize that, all right, I need to do this better. And then asking people who've been there before. And that's a big one, right? Asking people who've been there before, especially in the military when you're going through and you're getting, I remember when I was going through basic training, I was getting yelled at by a drill sergeant that was five or six years younger than me. He had made it up in the ranks and he was in my face quite a bit, but recognizing in the leadership world and the mentorship world, right? It's so valuable to find people that have been there, done that, that can guide you in that way. Do you have a mentor or a resource that you can look back at and be like, hey, this right here is something that I'd recommend. This is a mentor or this is a resource that helped guide me to this piece of it. Yeah, I'm with you. The the mentor thing is really key. And I was like that in basic training, too. I'm like, I'm 34 and you all are 20 something. Like, like you can yell at me all you want and it is not going to affect me. You're not going to get that emotional response that you're hoping you're going to get, that you'd get from a 17-year-old. But the nice thing was being a 34-year-old, I knew what I didn't know. So when I got to my unit after being commissioned, you know, I searched out the NCOs 
I found our master gunners. I was at a tank battalion. So I found our master gunners who knew everything and made friends with them. I made friends with platoon sergeants, some first sergeants, and I went and asked them stuff. And I literally used them. All right, I'm a lieutenant. Teach me. And I'd say, all right, so I got to do this. How do I do it? And, you know, that was new for them too, because normally the lieutenants don't do that. So I ended up being all my favorite people in the military were NCOs. <laughs> and I, other than a couple officers Same. that I became really good friends Absolutely. with, I never did the officer thing. I'm like, yeah, you guys go hang out. I'm going to go drink with the NCOs because they're fun <laughs> and then hang out with them and absorb stuff. In the business world, you got to do the same thing too. And it took me a while to figure that out. You know, you got to have that person that is a step ahead of you and has broken all the stuff you're about to break so they can tell you, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. And they can hedge you off at the pass and you can bounce ideas off of. So, you know, I've had different people throughout the years, depending on where I'm at in my world and what I was working on that were mentors at the time. So... And it changes. And as your business grows, your mentors need to grow too. And they need to change as because they're going to need to fit what you're currently looking for. So when I started working with Donnie, Donnie actually became a mentor for a while. Hmm. You know, and that's I learned terrifying in some ways. I know. Because <laughs> I learned a ton of stuff for him. But then, you know, I also was able to mentor him on a bunch of stuff that I was really good at in business that wasn't his thing. And that's why we built a really good relationship and became really good business partners is because we understand, all right, you know, Donnie, this is where you excel. Kevin, you excel over here and we leverage each other's strengths. And, but we know enough about all the other stuff each other's things that we can tell you, tell them, yeah, no, stop doing that. That's dumb. Here's what's <laughs> going to happen. Yep. And no, we don't want to work on that right now. Let's wait for this to happen first to be able to still provide that mentor role. Now we both go outside of each other to find other mentors. Donnie's got a group of CEOs that he talks to and they get talk about stuff. I found a couple cool people that sound and talk like me, but are <laughs> more ahead of me that do uh, operational stuff and integration that I chat with and ask questions to all the time. And we just got to have one on the podcast. He'll be one of our first new episodes in the season. So who I talk to changes and it's really based on what I need at that time. You know, right now, my big stuff is how do I grow a company from six figures to seven and how do my processes need to change and how do I implement processes that can scale that I don't have to rebuild at major milestones. And that's a big piece that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. And I, I, I was on a podcast yesterday and we were talking about similar things attached to it. And he came up with, he, he dropped this bomb on me. I'm like, Man, this actually makes so much sense when it comes to processes and me being a fractional COO. So we do a lot of similar work in our individual capacities and looking at it. He's like, if you add a zero to the end of whatever you're doing in business, can you still continue to do business? So if you have yeah. 10 clients and you add a zero, can you still handle and that thought made me laugh because how many people would freak out if they 10x or added a zero on their aspect of business? And that scaling point going from six to seven is like a big milestone for a lot of yeah. people. But it means there's a lot of shit that goes into changing that. Yeah. And it's funny that Donnie and I had that exact conversation at one point. He was, this is right when we had launched SCN and we had a few groups going and Donnie was doing most of them. And I had a couple and Donnie and I are doing in one of our planning meetings and he's like, how are we going to, you know, how do I do 10 of these at once? You know, you know, how am I, how do I manage that and still do all this other stuff? And I'm like, well, that's easy. I did 20 in a year 
at my when I was doing this for another organization. I'm like, this is what you do. And I rattled it off. And he's like, oh, so that made us then shift. All right. So how do we do 100? What does that process look like? And how do we do that? But it's all perspective. You know, for him, 10 at a time was a ton. I'm like, I had 15 groups going at once that I was supporting. And here's what I did. I brought this person on and this person on. And here's how we managed the visitation and the growth and all that stuff within their process. And I was just, it was, you know, second nature for me. It didn't phase me at all. So then we had to think bigger, like, all right, well, how do we go bigger? What you And that's what you have to think about. What is that level that makes you uncomfortable? Hmm. 10 was uncomfortable. Yeah. 10 for him was uncomfortable until I was like, yeah, no, that's easy here. Do it this way. And then it's like, well, crap. All right. What's a hundred. Now that was our uncomfortable spots. Like, how do we do a hundred at once? What does that look like? How do we support that? What do we need to have? How many people, all that stuff. And now we got to ask all those questions and put together a plan of, all right, so here's how we get to that. And how have you expanded your your thinking to that? And it's kind of an interesting thing. My business builder mastermind here in Atlanta is a conversation that came up the other day. People were talking about making moves and building and growing, and they were thinking about, oh, I just want to add you know a couple of new clients. And a lot of the conversation was small business mentality and small business owners. And a lot of what you're shifting is not necessarily that you're going to be a, a large business, right? You're not going to have a thousand employees at some point. Maybe you will. I don't know. That'd be amazing. Uh, but that might not. not be the goal, right? Right. That terrifies the idea for me. But you know, how do you take a big business mentality, an enterprise mentality, and apply it to a small business? Because as you scale, that big business mindset is going to make that small business decision a lot easier because it really provides those left and right limits for you. It's you have to have a vision that supports that type of thinking. You know, most business owners, especially the small business owners, don't have the big vision of what they're trying to accomplish with their organization. It is, you know, I'm I'm trying to make money to support my wife for my family and, you know, and, which is awesome. Cool. Don't that's, that is a good goal and focus to have, but, you know, looking at SCN, the vision is we want to change how the world networks mm-hmm. right in that phrase. We want to change the world. We don't want to change Minnesota. We don't want to change how Texas networks. We want to change how the world networks. So that already is really big thinking of, all right, so we need to be in multiple countries. We need to be this big. We need to go large. So it automatically sets the vision to where we're not thinking of just local. Mm. So you need to understand what you're trying to do with your business and then setting the goals based on that. You know, you don't have to change the world. That is just what we wanted to do because we both came into SCN. And when we launched it, both of us are like, we don't want to be the networking guys. Neither of us wanted to be back in this world because we'd done it (laughs) before. Donnie had had launched multiple groups. I ran an area for one of the largest regions in another networking organization. I had over 1,500 members just in my portion of a state. So, and I was done. I was, when I got out of there, as my last meeting, I was like, sweet, I'm not in this Mm -hmm. anymore and I'm done. I'm never going back. And now here we are. We're launching a networking organization. (laughs) So, it had to be something big that made it worth our while to do something that we really didn't want to do and fixing all the stuff that other organizations broke and changing how the world networks was that big thing that we both, when Elizabeth told it to him, because he's like, I don't want to do networking. And he told her this and she's like, well, then fix all the stuff you hate. He's like, damn it. Huge. Right. Yeah. And then he told me, (laughs) yeah. And then he told me, I'm like, 
fuck, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to fix all the stuff that we hate mm-hmm. and change how the world does this. And that's our why. And now we are thinking at how do we bring on other countries? How do we, you know, I met with the Dominican Republic last week about launching for them. And I just had to have cultural conversations. I don't have to do that with when I'm meeting with a territory leader in Idaho. Right. You know, it's <laughs> the culture is relatively the same. But, you know, in Dominican Republic, they've never had networking organizations like us before. So that networking mm. group concept is not a cultural thing in their business. And, you know, so it was coming overcoming. All right. So what's all those cultural hurdles? And we did the same thing in the Philippines when I met with Gab, who's launching for us there. It's like, all right, so let's talk about how this works in your culture. What is, you know, how are people going to react to different things? And, you know, how do we need to adjust? And thinking about how do you localize a website so that it can support a country that English is not the language. Which is a fascinating challenge. Yeah, exactly. And when you get into a bunch of different countries that have multiple languages, when we launch into Africa, you know, some of those countries have multiple languages that they use. So do we have multiple, you know, do we have to have the little button up at the top where you pick your country and it changes the website to that language? You know, how does that work? (laughs) So it's cool because we've set this really high vision. We're now having to have conversations that start thinking about things outside of just, oh, I need to get two more clients. Do we still have those conversations? Yes, we still talk about how we need to get, you know, 10 more members. We need to get this level of membership, this level of revenue. What does that take? What does that look like? But now we're looking at how we go big. And the clients are the driving to get us bigger to our actual vision. Yeah, I love that because that's a huge piece of it where a lot of people, you know, one of my organizations, we did scale to 155 countries in about eight months. And it was such a grassroots effort, grassroots effort that it's kind of amazing to think about when you're making moves like that. It's not one of those that you just pick up the phone and start calling people like you have to have that momentum expanding where people think about like the viral nature of attached to different things. You have to kind of create like a, that virality attached to it with SEM is something y'all are doing the badass business summit they all are doing, because it goes back to something we talked about a little bit earlier. You stepped into who the hell you are, brought your values into it. And like, this is who I am. I'm going to present this way, which is very different than the, those that who shall not be named in the networking world, you know, but it, it's a very different mindset, but it's obviously paying forward because you're attracting the right people, the right clients like you were talking about before. Well, and what you just said is really important, how you present yourself. Even when I had those values established as my immutable laws and time on target, I still felt I had to have the corporate appearance. You know, I had to look like the marketing business person. Mm -hmm. You know, so I wore things a certain way now. And they're all things I was comfortable in. I liked wearing, you know, it was... I had no issue. I can, I will put on a suit and be completely comfortable in it, in a room. And it doesn't bother me, but it wasn't, you know, at home, I didn't wear button down shirts. I didn't wear that type of clothing. I wore t-shirts. I wore ball caps. I wore jeans, you know, I grunt style t-shirts with a flag on the sleeve, (laughs) you know, shocker. (laughs) Yeah. Shocker. You know, quarter zip sports stuff from my university that I went to. That's what I wore. So, you know, that was one of my big learning pieces working with Donnie is that, you know, Donnie wears t-shirts everywhere. Mm. Literally. And he, yeah, and he wears caps everywhere and that's what he does. So, you know, coming into the idea that, all right, so I don't have to wear all, all you know, the, the expected clothing to be in business. 
You know, mm-hmm. I can wear what I want and be me and it's completely fine. You know, COVID kind of helped with that because I was stuck at home and I'm like, screw that. I am not dressing up if I'm going to be in my house all day. You're going to be happy if I have pajama p- pants on while I'm meeting with you. So so true. <laughs> yeah. Camera from here up, baby. We're good. Yep. But that's one of the, my big learning things with Donnie is, all right, so how do I just be me? How do I present myself as just who I am? This is take it or leave it. And I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to be on camera. I'm going to look like this. So even now my new headshots are me and t-shirts and, mm-hmm. and, you know, a couple of them, one of them might be a grunt style shirt. Actually, I should have them pay me some appearance fees, but you know, it's stuff that is me and how you're going to get me. If you see me on the street. I love that. And I think it's paying forward in so much. And as soon as I did that with my battle brand and, you know, started, put the earrings back in, have the tattoo showing all the time, it shifts the dynamic of how one people react yep. to you. Cause I was in a suit every day. And then, you know, having that prim and proper, now it's like, oh, you're a different breed of individual, which is, I know what y'all are building there. And I love that aspect. And I'm curious, as you're building Time on Target, you're building SCN and you're growing internationally, what's the legacy you're wanting to leave in the world with everything you're putting into it? You know, I think the legacy is that we fix the name that networking has built for itself. And that was another conversation we had with Pablo this morning, talking about building community. You know, when people have been using all these words like, you know, build your network, build your tribe, and it's diminished the actual value of what a community is. And it's gotten away from the actual purpose of a community. And I think that's really what we're trying to do with SCN is getting back to that your network is a community and it's not about you and what you bring to that network. It's about how you can help everyone else in your network shine. And it's how you help them bring value to everyone. And that's really what we're trying to do. And we're trying, like I said, we're trying to fix networking because it's broke. Everyone, when you say, oh, I'm starting a networking group. Oh, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And they'll usually throw out a company's name. And we're like, no, 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 we're not them. Here's what we're doing different. And then they come and check it out. Like, oh, this is way cool. We, I want to be in this. I had someone come to a meeting this morning that had to leave halfway through. He's like, I haven't even seen the rest, but I'm in. I want in mm-hmm. this. And it's because we're fixing all the stuff they hated. They're actually getting to have a community where they engage with each other and they talk and they learn and they share views and they communicate. And that's you know, really, you know, if we want to look really big on how we're changing the world, we're, we're teaching the world how to communicate again. Because that that's something that I think we've lost. You never had, when I was a kid, you could be on, you could be a Republican and a Democrat, and you could still have a good conversation (laughs) and leave that conversation with an understanding of why the other person thinks how they do and why they do and and respecting their viewpoint. These days. These days, that's impossible. (laughs) You can't have that communication. So I think that's, you know, if we want to look really giant, you know, what that's what we're doing. We're teaching the world how to communicate and have real conversations that actually move them and the world forward. I love that. And you're definitely on the phenomenal track attached to it. And I'm excited to be a part of that growth as a whole, but also see how it goes more and more with the momentum that's being built. And I want to give the audience the opportunity if they want to find out more about Time on Target, they want to find out more about SCN, if they just want to find out more about your nerdy ass, what's the (laughs) best place for them to reach out, find more about you and connect with you? The easiest way for them to reach out is I actually have a free gift that I'm going to send out to your listeners if they're interested. They text the words sell smarter to 612-429-4298. 
I will actually send them a PDF that talks about all the questions they need to ask to understand how their buyers make purchasing decisions and a list of all the content, how it aligns within the sales process so they know what type of content to send when. I love it. I definitely encourage everybody to send that over. We'll throw it in the show notes. Definitely shoot that text over. Kevin's good people. He's done some amazing things and is only just starting. And that's the crazy, yep. scary part. So excited yeah, about once, all that. Once they get that PDF, they'll get a couple more texts from me. We're not going to spam you for like weeks and weeks and weeks, but we are going to send you a few more. We're going to give you a link to growth mode so you can check out me and Donnie's podcast and subscribe to that. I'll give you a link to join my automation group on Facebook so you can actually interact with me one-on-one and ask questions and ask my community questions about how to do email and CRM and all that fun stuff. And just a couple other ways to interact and actually get into my world and take advantage of having me in your network. I love it. Definitely encourage everybody to do that. And then of course, come back to this Friday, where you're going to hear a little bit more about the tactics of how Kevin can help you directly on Tactical Friday. Kevin, thanks so much for your time today, my friend. Cool. Thanks for having me, Zach. It was a really awesome conversation. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.